Welcome, everyone, to It Simply Isn't Done, the Sermon Recap Podcast. I'm Reverend Jess Davenport. And I am Reverend Barry Petrucci. We are the pastors at Chapel Hill Church. And together we are the, the Irreverent Reverends. And uh, like the name would suggest, this podcast is the message from Sunday, where we share the scripture and then the sermon, and uh, we meet you back for some reflection on that message. There will be an opportunity to, if you look down in the notes, you will see a place where you can go directly to the reflection. If you already listened to the scripture uh, on the sermon, or if you just want to skip them all together and uh, just hear what we have to think about it, um, you can go there. We're happy you're here. We are indeed. Sunday is the sixth Sunday in Lent. It's actually not in Lent, but... So that's a debate of uh, if Holy Week starts with Palm Sunday <laughs> and goes eight days, or if it starts Monday. Hey, welcome to our podcast. <laughs> this is the Sermon Recap, and today we will be recapping Palm Sunday. Yes. Um, Barry preached this one. The word was celebrate. And we um, he took us through the Matthean version, Matthew's version. Matthew. Matthew. Woo. Woo. Matthew 21, 1 through 11. Yeah. Very familiar to lots of folks because it's the party. It's the celebration coming into Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. We'll see you on, uh, on the other side of the scripture and the sermon for some reflection. 21 verses 1 through 11. All right. When they neared Jerusalem, having arrived at Bethphage on Mount Olives, Jesus sent two disciples with these instructions. Go over to the village across from you. You'll find a donkey tethered there. Her colt wither. Untie her and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, say, the master needs them. He will send them with you. This is the full story of what was sketched earlier by the prophet. Tell Zion's daughter, look, your king is on his way, poised and ready, mounted on a donkey, on a colt, full of a pack animal. The disciples went and did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They led the donkey and colt out, laid some of their clothes on them, and Jesus mounted. Nearly all the people in the crowd threw their garments down on the road, giving him a royal welcome. Others cut branches from the trees and threw them down as a welcome mat. Crowds went ahead and crowds followed, all of them calling out, Hosanna to David's son. Blessed is he who comes in God's name. Hosanna in the highest. As he made his entrance into Jerusalem, the whole city was shaken. Unnerved, people were asking, what's going on here? Who is this? The parade crowd answered, This is the prophet Jesus, the one from Nazareth in Galilee. A word of God that is still speaking. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Hosanna. Hosanna. Oh, come now. Hosanna. Hosanna. Look at you all. Forgot you you have a piece of green leaf. That that is our celebration for the day. So it's kind of an interesting thing for us to remember that this word Hosanna, which is what's praise, it's adoration, it's a it's a big word. But the early Christians called the way used it in a whispered tone because the church was developing underground because it was not popular among the Roman government, was not popular among the Jewish leadership. And so they greeted one another with Hosanna in a quiet tone. Let's try it. Hosanna. 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 Right. So we are at the end of a series. <laughs> You're not sure how to respond to that, are you? <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so just started. This, this series picture this. We had images that uh, we wanted to keep in mind throughout the series. Just began with leaves as a reminder of the fig leaves that man and woman used to cover up when they discovered they were naked in the garden before God and they were embarrassed, ashamed, a little bit angry. Then we did born and we had the story of Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night and Jesus saying, you must be reborn. And we had the picture of the preemie baby as a reminder of how tender that new life is. Then we did thirst. Jesus talked about uh, in the Gospel of John, Jesus going to the Samaritan woman at the well, and he was thirsty, and she, in conversation, discovered indeed she was thirsty as well for a different kind of water. And then I did grief from 1 Samuel, how he was grieving after Saul because Saul was not the king he thought he was going to be. And, and God, in fact, had been, had been grieving Saul as well, but God tells Samuel that it's time to move on with your grief, not get over it, but move on with your grief. And last week, Jess did breath. Remember Ezekiel's rattling dry bones. Can these bones live? In fact, God provides the breath, the Ruach Elohim, the breath of God. Today we celebrate. Woo! Woo! It's really bad when I have to tell you to celebrate, right? It's really bad. Uh, some days are like that. But not so in uh, the Detroit area on Thursday night. Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band performed at Little Caesars Arena, which is sort of Detroitish area. Detroit Free Press called the concert timeless. And M Live said the 73-year-old Springsteen had not lost any spring in his step, which was a phrase that made me think that the writer himself must have been 73. It's true, I am deeply jealous of those that got to see Springsteen. I am a huge Springsteen fan, but I've never been to see him or the band, and I'm likely losing chances to do so. Time goes by for all of us. In fact, Springsteen's song, Last Man Standing, marks the reality of life passing as he realizes that he is the only one left from his first band, The Castiles, a lonely place to be. Rock concerts are not all 
pushing three hours of pure energy, but that's Springsteen. Uh, and yet all concerts gather community in a kind of united celebration, right? Singing unabashedly, remembering what was and, and amazed in what is, partying in the beat, in the rhythm, the relentless bass-driven rhythm, the bass-driven drum-marking, guitar-framing pulse of life, the lyric that holds the memories of a multi-generational community together. It's what happens in this celebration. And and the reality is that people pay big bucks to go and celebrate. We had folks from this community that went and uh, had a great time. Uh, Tanya Boot and family went, uh, and I got a T-shirt. You know, <laughs> it was something. Thank you, Tanya. It was gracious, lovely, lovely. Got the T-shirt. But I was remembering this week as I was thinking about this, this concept of celebration, I was remembering that in 1973, it was in the transition from my life in New York City to my life in Michigan, in Ludington of all places. In 73, and some of you might remember, it was three dog night in concerts and on the <laughs> airwaves. Remember airwaves? Um, we gathered around the immortal words, slipping away, sitting on a pillow, waiting for night to fall, a girl in a dream sitting on a pillow. This is the night to go to the celebrity ball. Satin and lace isn't a pity, didn't find time to call. Ready or not, gonna make it to the city. This is the time to go to the celebrity ball. Dress up tonight, eh, why be lonely? You'll stay at home and you'll be alone, so why be lonely? Celebrate, 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 dance to the music. And we did. And we did. We find ways to celebrate. We pay big bucks to celebrate in concerts, at parties, nightclubs, weddings, celebrations of life. We start going to, going to celebrate as little ones. We take our kids and grandkids to go celebrate. We go to amusement parks and theme parks. We go to Disney parks, water parks, cruises. All of these are chances, chances to kick up the beat of the everyday and find space to celebrate. And we are willing to pay for it because God knows we need celebration in our lives. Amen. Amen. All of this offers humanity, at least Western, relatively affluent humanity, opportunities to celebrate. It's a huge business and a critical slice of our economy. It's interesting, isn't it? Lots of folks are wrapping up spring break celebrations. I think three or four of our school systems and another three or four in the area are just starting spring breaks. Some are, are gonna be even willing to tell you stories about their spring breaks, lots of others not. Um, but all going to celebrate. It's interesting, isn't it? We build economy around our desire, around our need to celebrate. Hospitality industry is all about our finding space to celebrate. And yet, people of God, yet every Sunday there is a coming together of the community of faith in a reliving, of a recollecting, a recollecting the, the resurrection of Jesus the Christ. That's what we're doing, doing here, you know, every week. Every weekly worship was designed as a weekly Easter, a time for us to come together and say, Christ is risen. Christ is risen. 
This is risen indeed. That was pretty good. And yet we tend to think that this gathering and worship every other day than Easter is kind of a sullen occasion. We crack smiles, we joke a bit back there at the coffee bar, and we exchange niceties as we gather and leave. Yet in worship itself and in the life of the church drawn large, we're hard-pressed to give ourselves permission to celebrate this faith we share. And so on this day, we hand you palm branches and say, get a smile and be a kid. <laughs> this is my favorite day because I get to be obnoxious with a palm branch and tickle people in the ears and all that stuff. We need the excuses. We need to give ourselves permission to celebrate this faith we share. Listen, it is not because we have not spent a lot of money. If it's not because we have not spent a lot of money on tickets, Jess and I are more than happy to take your money if it will help you to celebrate. <laughs> we are here for you, folks. Happy to do it. So every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and yes, even John, have this story about Jesus' preparation for entry into Jerusalem for the Passover. The Passover in the time of the Hebrews was confined, <coughs> excuse me, Hold that up. <clears throat> the Passover in the time of the Hebrews was confined to small family observations of God's calling and empowering Moses to lead the people out of slavery in Egypt, right? By Jesus' time, the Passover had become institutionalized and run by the priests of Israel as a pilgrimage time, gathering Jews from all over it was mandated once a year to come to the Jerusalem temple for the purpose of giving gifts and offering sacrifice. It was costly. They had to pay big bucks. And largely, it was a solemn time. So the fact that all four Gospels record this impromptu parade and celebration surrounding Jesus as he made entry into the city is beyond notable. It was a celebration of someone and something decidedly different so in Jesus Christ Superstar, in the face of the celebration of the Sanhedrin, in the face of this celebration, the Sanhedrin, the council of priests, yell out to Jesus, hey, tell the rabble to be quiet, we anticipate a riot. This common crowd is much too loud. <laughs> tell the mob who sing your song that they are fools and they are wrong, they are a curse, they must disperse. Celebration as a counter-narrative to the dominant culture, counter to political culture, counter even to religious culture. Jesus does not put down the parade. He does not quiet the singing. He does not tell the rabble to be quiet. Rather, Jesus, who has humbled himself by riding on a donkey, a worker's beast of burden, this Jesus speaks truth back, back to the power. And he says, listen, I tell you, if these, gesturing the crowd, if these were quiet, the very stones, and folks, there are a lot of stones in Israel, these stones would just sing out. These stones become celebrants, those who celebrate. In the faith, in the faith tradition we share, the verb to celebrate takes on two rather distinct meanings, I think. First, to celebrate is to do what we seem to be talking about this morning. It is to let ourselves loose, 
let ourselves loose to give in to joy, the joy of the moment. Uh, some of us do that in concerts like Springsteen or Adele or U2 or Billie Eilish or Tony Bennett. <laughs> Fill in the blank. We find our ways to celebrate in, in response to someone who has demonstrated that they are a change agent, someone who has given a clue that something better, something hopeful, something fun, something righteous, just, peaceful, life-giving, all of this is possible and is coming. Hang on. Do you not perceive it? To celebrate in this case means to enter into the fullness of possibility before it has come into fruition. So they're all celebrating with Jesus before they even know who this Jesus ultimately is. There's another meaning, though, at least another facet of this verb to celebrate. In our tradition, we have two sacraments, two means to grace, two things we do because God has, Jesus has done them and Jesus commands us to do them as well. The first is baptism, the second communion. Together we celebrate baptism and together we celebrate communion. They, they're supposed to be parties. Not simply the family brunch that comes after the baby comes home with wet hair. Not that kind of celebration, although that's a good one. These are celebrations in and of themselves. We're supposed to celebrate God's grace. We're supposed to celebrate God's free gift given in water that is new life, new possibility, new relationship, new conviction. And we are supposed to celebrate that the little piece of gluten-free bread and the sub-shot glass of grape juice irrevocably, irrevocably tie us to God through the gift of Christ. And yet, we come to confuse worshipful with somber. We come to confuse holy with quiet. We've come too often to confuse sacred with, you guessed it, boring. Pastor Jess and I are the celebrants of baptism and communion. See, we get to be, we, we get to be pastors, and we get to be uh, prophets, and we get to be teachers. We also get to be priests. And in our priestly mode, we are called to invite you into celebration. In the rituals of baptism and communion, yes, but more so into the basic posture we have in relationship to God, which is a posture of thanksgiving and celebration. Writer and spiritual guide Tom Sine talks about Christians and the church learning to party better. <laughs> He's asked, do you think we, the church, need to be more festive? Absolutely, he says. We can do better and teach others to party better than anyone. Hospitality, what the church is supposed to do well, is an invitation to party. As much as we love cookies and coffee, there's more to it than that. Hospitality is an invitation to gather in celebration to party. Being church is about being a part of a celebration, being part of another narrative, a counter-narrative, something different than being simply a lifelong consumer of junk that ultimately does not last in this world. It's about inviting the world to celebrate that this world, sh sh this world we share is being made new, that healing is being brought to the broken, that peace is available to the nations, that reunion can be had for those who are disconnected, may it be so. Being the church of Jesus Christ celebrates ways to live that make a difference in this moment and in the moments to come. 
for us here and for those yet to even be imagined. God has dreams of all things being made new in Christ, and we are part of the unfolding of that dream of newness. If that is not reason to celebrate, folks, I have no clue what is. And so we prepare. We try to deck the place out to be festive. And what is more festive than this lovely shack? <laughs> being festive is preparation to celebrate. And so we give you things that invite you into our theme for the day. It is what we try to do in the space, but the celebration is not just about the space. It is an invitation to the way we are called to live as God's people in the world. The meal we share is a reminder of who calls us and the food for the journey to which we are called. And so we gather. We gather, we celebrate, we eat and we drink, and we invite the world to the celebration. May this be so for us and for the world on this day. The people of God say, amen. Hey, welcome back. Hello. So Barry, your word was celebrate. It was. I think first, let's start with what you wanted, um, you know, what's the takeaway for folks? What do you want them to leave? Yeah, so I did not spend a lot of time on this text going like verse by verse, um, mm -hmm. partly because it's a, it's a fairly culturally familiar scene with kids uh, all around Jesus and, and disciples throwing down their coats and, and Jesus on a donkey. Um, lots of churches do some semblance of, of this uh, on the Palm Sunday. Um, but because of where we were going through our series, uh, and we ended up with this, this word celebrate, I really spent time looking at the ways in which we, we celebrate in our, in our culture, at least, if not in our world. And, um, and, and I wanted to talk about how we, we are so desperate to celebrate that we, we spend big, big bucks to put ourselves in the position of celebration. So what I wanted people to take away is to, um, to see that our faith could be a celebrative thing and should be a, a celebrative thing that uh, doesn't require a, a capital investment. Uh, it, in, it involves our being invested in, as people of faith in uh, lives that are celebrative. Mm -hmm. Celebration as a, as a state of being. Yeah. And I also got to do a little segue into uh, our our sacraments and how uh, those of us who officiate at such things are called celebrants. And so these, these are celebrations in themselves. That they are. Um, I thought that that's what I took away. So well, <laughs> I'm glad you got something that was, that was, you know, maybe three minutes of a 20 minutes. Sorry, good. Uh, well, you know, we learned a little bit about three dog night and Bruce Springsteen as well. So yeah. important. You can never have too much. <laughs> I was particularly grateful because um, as clergy, my, uh, my way of being often, um, maybe I should say, I have gotten feedback that I am sometimes too casual and loud and I will laugh at, you know, like I, you know, whatever. It's just how I am in spaces. So I was grateful for the congregation to hear Kind of permission that um, I think you specifically said, you know, like this doesn't have to be boring. 
Yeah. We confuse reverence um, and and holding something in space for sacred with having to be silent and stoic. And a lot of times that's really more about control than it is about the ways we all must be mandated to celebrate something. Yeah. Well, we've got a, we've got a sort of a, at least two things that are challenges for us in uh, Portage, Michigan. Uh, one, we're in the Midwest, mm-hmm. and uh, and two, we're out of a Protestant tradition that has not been known for being wildly boisterous in uh, in, in worship. Um, that has not valued the the big and the exciting. In fact, Wesley did some did some pretty specific writing against. Uh, um, oh, what was his word? I just I just dropped it. Um, you just did work on work on the holiness movement, so maybe you have it at the tip of your tongue. Uh, for folks that were really uh, worship that was that was very much out there, um, ah, drawing a blank on word. Yeah, um, I what I could contribute because I'm not exactly sure what you're speaking of. Well, that's shocking because it's in my <laughs> head and on the tip of my tongue. Is this kind of interesting? Um, a lot of our tradition, uh, kind of big tech Methodism consistently have reactions to more charismatic worship experiences. So we were kind of reacting and, and going to a higher church tradition while saying like, no, that is, you know, that is somehow less than or bad showing emotion that plus the Midwestern bit, which you talked about it. If you're not from the Midwest, <laughs> you know, we, we tend to be pretty subdued and we have, um, we have a cultural value around not making, not feeling like we're making a spectacle of ourselves. We have a lot of like kind of group buy-in to being a group and our uniform group in order to be uniform. Apparently that means to be pretty, pretty stoic. So those are two things I think that are, that are fair and that kind of do go swim against us in terms of what celebration can look like. And those end up being translated as values in and of themselves. And we forget about why, why they were perhaps values to begin with. Yeah, and we end up giving ourselves permission then to go somewhere else, uh, you know, to, to do the celebration, do the party. You know, it's, it's the Las Vegas kind of syndrome where, you know, you, you go somewhere else to you do your craziness and, and whatever you do stays there. Um, and, and I think that, I think that we, we rip off a piece, of our, a piece of our faith heritage when we don't allow ourselves to be joyous in, in worship, to celebrate, to, um, you know, if we allow ourselves to do it with kids, right? Yeah. Like, so, so Palm Sunday is fun for that reason. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I love it cause I can take out the, the palm fronds or as we had yesterday, the leaves and, and get silly with them and tickle kids and, and, and adults for that matter. Um, and, or just uh, whack them upside, or just the whack them upside the head and, and that kind of silliness, you know, it's a, it's been a, a Sunday where we've, we've taken out the beach balls and thrown them around, uh, AKA concert behavior. Um, but we, it's not, it's not a regular part of our diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think particularly in, in church, as you mentioned, but I also think there's something more to how we formalize celebration. Um, like, you know, like just in society, we have a hard time, um, figuring out how to, how to manufacture fun in ways that aren't really consumerist. And that becomes, you know, that's, it just becomes hard. 
as to what we what we think is fun, what's shaped as fun, what's shaped as celebration. Um, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with like going on a graduation trip. That's awesome. That's incredible. And it doesn't need to be the only time right. families spend together or <laughs> do yeah, something it's, out of it's, the it's not a condemnation at all of, of, of spending money to celebrate. It is to say, what is it in us that that puts that particular box aside and, and this is how we celebrate and this is when we do it and this is how we this is how we pay for it. When life gives us opportunities to, to celebrate mm -hmm. uh, every day. And we, we tend to not take those and I think for a variety of reasons. Yeah. I was also curious, this is the second time in the series, the picture of the series, where you chose a word a concept that was not directly from scripture. Right. I wanted to know a little bit about your process, how you got to celebrate from this from this text. Oh, I think it's I think it's a cultural reading of the text. Um, I think it's it's done as a celebration, um, and I, and I think for Palm Sunday it's a necessary. It, it, we we do Palm Sunday and Easter as as bookends to a horrendous week. Um, and the, the gathering of, of followers, um, young and old, um, outside of Mount, Mount of Olives, or Mount Olive, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, in the message translation, um, that was celebrative, and the word is not there. You're absolutely right. There really is no word mm -hmm. that describes what's going on in that space, but everything, uh, all of the, the activities surrounding it feels like a celebration. Certainly the word Hosanna uh, has that celebrative tone to it. Um, it, it here, here's, a, here's a, an interesting uh, hole we can go down. Oh, it's one of your um, rabbit holes. It, well, it is. It's a rabbit hole because that, that Hosanna, uh, Hail and Hosanna, which was actually one of the hymns that we did, um, that was something that was, that was said in sort of a, a sarcastic tone at the the military parades, uh, when the Caesar came, or when one of the representatives of the Caesar, Helen Hosanna, was was sarcastically being said uh, in a way that they were gods, right? Mm -hmm. And so now Jesus is is riding on a donkey instead of a white stallion or whatever the military uh, posture might have been, and they're doing Helen Hosanna in that in that context. So um, not, it seems, sarcastic, but celebrating this uh, revelation of God coming in a, in a place of humility. So that's why I chose the word. What do you... Long answer. Yeah. What do you make of the folks that got swept up into it that had no idea what was going on? Yeah, I think that's exactly what happens in life. I mean, like, you know, it's, it's always interesting... Palm Sunday has always been fascinating for me to think about for that reason of like, hey, here are these crowds of folks in Jerusalem where Jesus did considerably little ministry, um, although going, you know, once a year, which took a, a long time, but like, that's not where his home base was. That's not where he was most of the time. But there was a small contingent that surely knew him. That was also where all the power was. And then there are all these other people that just kind of see this guy right on a donkey. And they're like, Yeah! Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it's just really interesting to conceptualize or think about. I, you know, I've, I've had times in my life where, where I've been swept up on that. And one of the places in that, and one of the places that I always remember, is um, the Feast of San Gennaro in, in uh, New York City's Little Italy, 
was a huge feast. In fact, uh, folks have seen that have seen The Godfather. It's one of the scenes where there's where the shooting takes place. Um, but this is this is a a high uh, a local high holiday high holy day, and um, it, people are just in mass on the streets, and there's parades. But there's also food and it smells wonderfully Italian and there's music and everybody is swept into these streets. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody knows anything about San Gennaro. Who mm -hmm. cares? Right? Because we're swept up in this moment. And and I think too, it wasn't necessary for everybody that got swept up into this to have any idea uh, who this Jesus was other than they had heard. Yeah. What more what more could folks have in a lot of circumstances? It's, it's just, it's a very interesting story. Um, and it's told, you know, in different ways uh, throughout the Gospels, which that, again, is fascinating. I like that you added um, some of the rocks crying out. Yeah. Um, you know, that's not found in Matthew. So I, I, that's my, that's my favorite part of Palm Sunday. I think particularly for folks, um, if you're going into this Holy Week and you're not really feeling it, like, that's a really helpful reminder to yeah. be like, hey, even the rocks cry out. Like, you don't have to do anything other than just be present to the events this week. Um, and it's, I think to your point, I'm not sure if this discussion will be added or not. Um, but so you start, you start Holy Week, which is really eight days with Palm Sunday. I really do. Yeah. I think that's interesting. It's a fun note. It's a whole, we get a whole eight days. Um, eight days a week of almost every human emotion you could potentially feel crammed <laughs> in Christendom but you know crammed into a story that is particular and I, I think too um, you know Ramadan is not always during Easter but it is this this year and we know that Pesach Passover is coming up so it's this is a very important week for three you know major religions and I think it's important to kind of keep Keep that in mind too. That there's a lot of, a lot of us are doing some of our, our faith-filled things as we go about this week. Yeah, and ha we were just in Jerusalem, so we know how tenderly and tenuously those faith traditions are held together. Uh, and so, if we can find moments like this where there's intersectionality, I think I think it's a great thing, and, um, and to really find that all of us are trying to, trying to do the same thing in better relationship with God and each other. Mm -hmm. well, I will say, one place where I can find commonality is when we were just in Israel-Palestine. Um, you and I got scolded. Mostly me, but <laughs> you you said something, and I laughed very loudly. And I don't know if you remember this, we were in Capernaum. We were in Jesus' home temple mm -hmm. um, in the synagogue, what's left of that synagogue, and we were laughing loudly because you said something. That made me laugh, and we got shushed in Jesus' home church. <laughs> as as we would. <laughs> anyway, so that kind of for me ties all of this I, together. <laughs> I do remember that. I think I was pointing at you actually. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah. Yes. Well, as we go about this week, where there are all of all of the feelings and all of the emotions, um, we invite you to participate in what we've got going on here and um, in your life further. There's more information about what we're doing for Holy Week on peachon.org backslash Lent. Yeah, backslash Lent. But, you know, to tell you quickly, Monday, Thursday, opportunities here at the church. You can come on your own time and walk through. And uh, there's some spiritual practices that you can 
participate in. Um, between five and really seven thirty, but it ends at eight. And then Good Friday worship will be here, uh, and and I understand it's it is also being streamed. Uh, that that's happening. It's been set up, uh, so cool. apparently it's being done. All right. And uh, so seven o'clock Friday night, and then two services on Easter. Yeah, and if you uh, want to do something a little bit different during Holy Week, you can also sign up to give blood here on Holy Saturday. Look at that. What is more appropriate than that? <laughs> Jesus gave blood for you. So you give me yeah. God's people. <laughs> that is not exactly our theology, but we would encourage you. We would encourage you to participate I in the drives. All right. Well, thanks, y'all. We'll catch you after Easter. You fought so hard to not say bye.